You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It's a nice bright morning here in TW11. And that greets Thursday, April the 20th. Thanks for tuning in once again. It's Craven Stakes Day. And Charlie Appleby, Godolphin's Newmarket trainer, is bidding to land his fourth Craven Stakes in five years with Mysterious Knight. He had to take out Naval Power yesterday. Appleby's won this with some top quality horses, the Derby winner Massar and Master of the Seas, to name but two, Mysterious Knight might not be in that bracket. Indeed, he might be a fairly long way down the Appleby Guineas pecking order because, as I am speaking to you now, he is putting his main Guineas hopefuls, Noble Style and Silver Knot, through their paces in a public workout on the Roly Mile. Noble Style in preference to going to the Greenham Stakes on Saturday, which might be a little soft for him ground-wise. Very impressive trialist yesterday, at headquarters in Mummer's Girl, the winner of the Nell Gwynn Stakes. A surprise winner, 16-1, to 1, though not it seemed to trainer Richard Hanna, nor to rider Sean Levy, who joins me in the programme to assess her performance and indeed the depth of that race. It was a notable first leg of a double for Sire Havana Gray, because later in the evening at Newmarket, at the Tattersall's Craven Breeze Up sales closing session... With a colt that yielded for consigner Roger Kavanagh, 625,000 guineas for just a 42,000 guinea outlay in December of last year. What yield for racing from the betting industry? I'll be speaking to Levy Board Chief Executive Alan Del Monte with news of a, a new transparency initiative. That'll be coming up very shortly. But first of all, the white paper is upon us. Fanfare, please. Industry insiders say that we can expect the white paper to be released at 7am next Thursday, the 27th of April, so a week from now. And there are Department of Culture, Media and Sport questions tabled in the House for later that day. Secretary of State Lucy Fraser can wait no longer, it seems. Neil Channing, a gambling industry analyst, is with me now. It seems as though it's finally here, Neil. Don't laugh. Yeah, I mean, but we have to remember it is just the white paper. It isn't the actual bill. So it's the menu of what's likely to appear in the act when it finally gets passed. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get to see it. Um, I guess the main thing uh, that a lot of people will be talking about, and, and people have been agreed on generally, is this um, industry levy. So in the past, uh, bookmakers have made voluntary donations. The, uh, the BGC have, vol- have suggested that the voluntary doma- donation should be uh, increased uh, to 1% of, of uh, revenues. Uh, and that money goes to gamble aware. We should just clarify this is for, for research and treatment into gambling-related harm. Well, this is it. So now we get a whole lot of other politics of what do we spend the money on? So now this is going to be a levy. Uh, the money's going to be coming out. And we have to decide, or not we, but gambling or the government has to decide how this money is going to be spent. Now, a lot of people think the gambling... Uh, there should be a public health approach to gambling. Uh, and, and and those people tend to be sort of anti-gambling. Uh, they feel like an increase in the amount of gambling is bad for society and a decrease is good for society. Uh, and the problem is in the past, they haven't really had the statistics to back up a lot of their arguments. And the statistics they have produced have been a bit dodgy. So they, they'll be lobbying to use this money Uh, to spend on lots of studies and surveys. Uh, And, of course, it's how you craft the questions in these things. You can get whatever answer you want quite often. And I I feel like the the direction of travel is going to be along the lines of 
you know, saying that gambling is a bad thing that society needs to reduce. Now, some people would say they should just spend the money on on treating people. You know, we've got plenty of problem gamblers uh, that are waiting on waiting lists with the National Health Service to go to, you know, the few clinics that we have. Uh, and a lot of people would say, well, in, instead of spending loads of money uh, on think tanks and uh, policy documents and uh, wonks sitting in offices trying to, uh, you know, come up with the answers that they wanted in the first place, um, they should simply just spend it on treating problem gamblers. This will be a whole big political hot potato that, that will run and run. Neil Channing there, and that statutory levy that Neil was talking about as part of the white paper, not to be confused with the levy collected by the Horse Race Betting Levy Board in order to finance horse racing with a a percentage of bookmakers' gross profits. Their chief executive, Alan Del Monte, is on the line now because the Levy Board has now announced a new mechanism by which it releases data as to its own contributions to British racing and that's on a race by race basis so you can see what contribution the levy board has made to each individual race. Uh, Alan just explain why you're doing this. Thanks Nick this is uh, a further development of what we try to do around transparency of our funding that we give to racing. It's made possible by the fact that we introduced with racing a new mechanism for how levy funds to prize money were awarded last year instead of the historic way of doing it which is effectively to give a lump sum to racecourses that they've earned on their prior performance we now uh, race basis so in the past where we've published the total amount that we give to a race course over a whole year we're now able to split that down into every race that, that we give money to because how much we give to each race now depends on how much each race course puts into that race so we thought that uh, it was timely to put that information into the public domain and it makes it clearer to follow where uh, the levy board money has has gone and why it's gone to a certain race rather than to another race you can understand this effect this will have on on certain listeners i would imagine those who are campaigning um to make race courses give a, a fairer deal or what they perceive to be a fairer deal in, in prize money terms will be licking their lips thinking right now the race courses uh, we can see which ones are, are contributing properly and which ones aren't contributing properly is that is that part of the the reasoning behind it I wouldn't say it was the intention. It's it's not our um, aim that we're we're providing information about someone else. We're only providing information about what we put in. But we did recognise that anybody who did want to do the work to go a bit deeper into what we're giving to a particular race then has a bit more information around the jigsaw it's not actually possible to look at what we've published and say because the levy board has put that into that race the balance must all be coming from the race course there are other uh, contributions in there um but we thought it was simpler if we just stick to what we do and what we put in and if others want to pick up that information and try to do something with it then that's a decision for them expecting the white paper finally as as early as next week uh, with reports of a, a year-on-year fall in gross profits from from major bookmakers of around 20 percent um how are you forecasting the next period of uh, of levy yield 
Well, this is a, a, a sensitive time for the levy board because our year end is the 31st of March and it's in the next month or so that we get the end of year returns in from betting operators. Uh, so uh, um, we'd be reluctant at this stage to start talking about uh, even where we think we are this year in any detail because we're only a few weeks away from the final position. But certainly as far as next year is concerned, we'll take a view about that once we've got this year's numbers in. We did certainly see through the early part of our levy year a fall in uh, turnover and in uh, gross win as in amount, amounts bookmakers make and how much therefore the levy is but there were some signs of a, a better outcome on gross win and levy in the later part of the year we will see whether that has translated into uh, better than expected news when the um, when the end of year figures come in. The key decision point for the levy board will be in June, uh, as we've said before. We have, at the moment, only a commitment for our prize money until the end of August this year. Our intention is in June, in the light of what we see in the end of year figures and what we think may happen in the year ahead, to come to a view on what we can afford for the rest of 2023 and then um, as far as we can, give some indication about 2024. And last year, this time last year, Alan, you were you were issuing a, a, a positive note uh, around the Grand National. It had been won by a 50 to one shot and gave the levy a, a notable boost. I'm I'm suggesting you're not going to be able to do the same this time with the with the very popular victory of uh, of Correct Rambler. That's right. We did say uh, last year that uh, Noble Yates's win was the, the, the best, um, highest yielding uh, uh, Grand National result that we had in in recent years uh, in terms of, uh, of levy yield. Um, a, 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 short, a short price horse winning the National with some fairly well-fancied horses in the placings is a, a different picture. So at the moment, we don't have detailed figures uh, for April, so we're we're relying on uh, the, the same types of uh, of anecdotal report that, that has been in the, the public domain. The 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 message seems to be that although Correct Rambler was was well fancied, there was a, a very good spread of money around on the the major fancied horses. So we're not looking at this as being immediately, at least until we get the figures to confirm otherwise or not. Uh, a, a bad result. It's 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 a middling result, but certainly nothing like the. Uh, the spectacular result that we saw a year ago. Alan Del Monte there, Chief Executive of the Levy Board. And I suppose a levy-positive result came in yesterday's Nell Gwynn Stakes with the very impressive success of Mama's Girl, trained by Richard Hannon, who's enjoyed notable triumphs in the 1,000 guineas, for which this was a key trial, with Bilsden Brook and Sky Lantern, the man who rode the former and who rode yesterday's winner, because the owner's retained jockey, Kevin Stott, had opted to ride another horse in the race, is Sean Levy, and I've been speaking to him about just how good Mama's Girl felt yesterday and whether she was a Guinea's contender. To be fair, Nick, I thought she gave me she gave me the feel of a good horse. Um, she ticked a hell of a lot of boxes for me. You know, she's definitely one you want to you wanna ride into battle as far as the 1,000 Guinness, Guineas is concerned, I think. There's no doubt she stays. That's not an issue. But it was it was her mentality and um, you know how she how she behaved in the day was 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 another another box she ticked. She was very laid back, very straightforward, traveled doubly behind the bit, and like you said, very push button acceleration that she has is. Um, now she went off a a pretty big price, 
Um, and I, I mean, I know she's she's going to be Kevin Stott's ride if if she goes to the Guineas. Now racing don't don't have another don't have another horse in the race. Um, but what was the actual expectation from from the Hannon team going into the race? Um, look, she's always been a nice fit at home. You know, um, early doors as a two year old, we thought she'd she'd be very good, but she just she had a couple of setbacks and whatever have you, and didn't end up running until the autumn, I believe. And when she won that maiden in Newmarket, I do remember thinking, "Wow, I'd actually be looking forward to seeing her next year." Um, I w- obviously after Hammer Racing um, signed Kevin Scott I wasn't expecting to be riding her in the Nail Gwyn I was quite surprised that Kevin chose to ride the other filly yeah and you found out a good bit bit more yesterday did you think it was a strong race or not? I didn't believe so when we walk around the back of the stalls at the start it looked like she did look she did catch the eye because she looked like she'd definitely done better than the rest of them over the winter and even though she was impressive, I was still a bit surprised that throughout the whole race, I thought I had everything covered. Mm. You know, it just gave me the impression that maybe there wasn't a huge amount of depth in that race. All right, that was Sean Levy. Jane Mangan, finally welcoming Jane Mangan to the show, who has been in Newmarket this week. And you cast your eye on the Nell Gwynn. It's quite interesting comments from Sean Levy. Lots of positives, but... Not really sure that he beat an awful lot. Yeah, very much so. I We don't have a time to compare it to because there's no other seven furlong race on the day. I thought pre-race, maybe because of the size of the field, 15 runners, I thought it was a deep renewal of the Nelguin. Um, personally felt that the far side group got racing quite early and maybe flattered Mama's girl then to be looking like she was flying home when in actual fact she was she she met the rising ground and she, she did pull clear but I wouldn't say she actually sprouted wings but uh, it was a very impressive performance whatever way you slice it uh, Kevin Scott would have been a bit sore after, after picking Queen Ollie who eventually finished 8th in the very same silks um, but he won't be make, making that mistake again because I'd imagine Mama's girl will be top on his list when it comes to the classic but when you look at meditating to Hera, you know, you're looking at two absolutely rock solid group one fillies. Do you think their connections will have looked at Mama's Girl and thought, okay, there's another one we've got to take seriously? Absolutely. I, I, I think to Hera, we've seen her twice. She, she was very good in the Moyglair, but we haven't seen her since. Mama's Girl, she's now two from two. There's no reason to suggest she won't improve further. As Richard said, post-race, he's gu- Guineas winners such as uh, Knight of Thunder, they all got beaten in their trial um, before they went on to actually win the Guineas. So uh, I, I I take her seriously. Uh, Meditate obviously had a very busy campaign last year. We saw her work at the Curra after racing on the opening day. Um, they looked like two top-class fillies, but a Guineas has a number of, of top-class options. And I think Mama's Girl has thrown her hat into that ring. I was impressed by her. Uh, did you hear my interview with Dermot Weld a couple of weeks ago about Tahira? I did, uh, that he's happy and that we didn't really learn an awful lot, only that she's alive and well. Yeah, and that he wasn't going to commit himself to, to to which guineas he was going to run her in. But more to the point, he wasn't going to offer a, a preference. It's not as though he said, listen, if she's ready for Newmarket, I will run her at Newmarket. Yeah, it's been a while since refused to bend, hasn't it? Um I think the best, the 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 one you really really want to win, and this is no insult to any other race, but it is Newmarket. That's the one. That's the real classic. If she's the real deal, and if she's doing everything right at home, 
I'd imagine that's where they'll point. Um, he wasn't inclined to confirm anything or nail himself to any particular plan, but I would be very surprised if that wasn't his plan. And immediately after the Moidler, I was half hoping that they'd take her to the, to, the, to the Breeders' Cup because she was so lightly raced and because she was so impressive. And of course, she then beat on that on that Moidler day. She beat the subsequent uh, juvenile Phillies turf winner in, in Meditate. Um, but he immediately said after the race, we're going to put her away for Newmarket. Well, you know, yes, so that, that, that was the initial knee-jerk reaction after winning the Moiler. Well, Mama's Girls' victory was the first leg of a notable double for the sire Havana Gray, who also co-topped the final session of the Craven Breeze-Up sale last night. Glending Stables bought the colt for 42,000 guineas at the December yearling sale and sold last night for 625,000. What a return in just a very short space of time and did the fastest breeze by a long way. Glending's Roger Kavanagh joins me now as he races through Dublin Airport. Time to snatch a quick word. Uh, I'd imagine the uh, the journey home was a pretty brisk one, Roger, after that. Yeah, no, definitely uh, a positive result. Uh, sure, it's good to get at the odd time. Uh, well, obviously, like that's astronomical, but when, when, when the big teams team up it's amazing what's possible i just want you to show you're working for people who aren't aren't familiar so okay so why do you buy the horse in the first place and what do you like and what are you thinking well he was gorgeous he was gorgeous um like he had a, a bang on the knee that stopped him going to the main yearling sales in october so he came to december which is a sale i've had great luck in um and uh yeah sure look he's havana gray who's Sire sensation, and we probably got lucky that he, you know, he had a refresher on his page that he has a, a classic hopeful with a impressive Mel Gwyn winner yesterday. Uh, he breathed the lights out like he uh, and had done from day one. I remember the first time he did a swinging canter. I said he should be okay. You know, I had two colts there. They they they, they went they went very fast. I had a full brother to the tin man. He made one seventy uh, yesterday, uh, and he cost fifty two. So. It was just the two fast horses, and hopefully they go on to be fast with their connections. So all the stars aligned. You mentioned that December sale. I guess that's. I guess you're hoping to find horses that, for whatever reason, have slipped through the cracks. You mentioned that he had a he had a little issue. Uh, how forgiving do you tend to be with things like that? Um, yeah, well, I think it looks like an athlete at the end of the day. Uh, you know, you have to be forgiving because. Uh, you know, in our game, we're looking for athletes, and he, he looked like that from, from day one. Um, and December, I suppose, people a lot, have a lot of their shopping done, and, you know, it's a bit of an afterthought sale, whereas you can kind of go in there and get a bit of value. And, uh, yeah, no, it has worked out before, and it's worked out again, thank God. Okay, so just talk me through through last night. How much were you actually expecting, and what was your reaction as things started to get crazy? Uh, look, I was, I was, I was hoping, you know, two fifty to three. You know, he's by Ivana Gray, who's a sensational stallion. He had a pedigree like the dam was four from four, uh, and they were quite highly rated. And none of them were by Ivana Gray. You know, like he had a very fast. The, the dam had a very fast multi-dram. So, you know, I thought he was entitled to that kind of money. And then obviously, you know, as we walk into the ring, it was very late last night, and the sale was, uh, you know, the sale ring was quiet. And then all of a sudden, you know, you turn around and you see guys that you haven't seen all day pitch up. It's just amazing to think that they've waited for you and uh, you hope it might happen. But when it does, you have to pinch yourself. 
And does that mean now that you can spend the rest of the breeze up season? I'm not saying relaxed, but with a little bit of pressure off. Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. Look, I've got investors with me, uh, principally Cormac O'Flynn, who, uh, who, you know, he supports and puts, puts faith in us that we can do the job. And I suppose the fact that, yeah, you have a result like this, it does take it does take the pressure off. But you know, we had some lovely yearlings that had little issues in in October that we pinned up to his folds and you know, it, it, it stopped them, you know. We we, we, we got penalized. So it's um you know, it's great that he's shown faith and that we that we've kinda we've capitalized for once. All right, that was uh Roger Kavanagh, Roderick Kavanagh, um, who consigned the top loss. Uh, as you say, Jane, it's all about timing this game. Yeah, the Nell Gwynn winner crossing the line would have, shall we say, hmm, put a little gloss on any Havana Grey that was going to be selling later that evening at Tatterstalls. And, of course, he has been setting the world on fire since his runners started last year. And not only with winners, but with stakes winners as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, big... I, suppose, I suppose, Jane, the thing is that you can have your know, record-breaking amounts of two-year-old winners but the perception of a stallion when they get a horse breaking through as a sophomore and winning a stakes race as a three-year-old that's a classic trial, what sort of difference to the, the perception of that stallion does that kind of breakthrough make? It, it's, it's hard to even do justice how important stakes winning horses is to a sire because we, we've seen it on many an occasion where stallions get numbers. And they get they get big books of mares, and then they they follow through with, with numbers of maybe precocious types, two year olds, um. But they fail when they when they reach the stakes level. This fellow, he's now had four uh group three winners of Anagre. um. His stakes winners turn is around seven percent, and he's improving. So, look, I I thought I see I saw a lot of the horses at the complex. This guy put up uh, a blitzing time as well as being a nice individual. So he kind of had a package rather than just ticked a box. Um, so look, Roger Kavanagh, Cormac uh, O'Flynn, and of course, Roger's dad, Peter, they're well versed in this game. They had a number of nice horses on offer, but um, this guy just, he, he just seemed to take over. So I'm delighted for them. It's a huge result. And a special mention as well to to uh, Norman Williamson, who also got 625,000 guineas for a Blue Point. Talking about timing, Blue Point, another maiden winner at Newmarket. He seems to be hitting the ground running with his first runners. And that would have done him no harm in getting such a result. Both horses headed to the Royal Blue of Godolphin. All right, so you've seen enough of these blue points, Jane. Uh, you've been looking at them, inspecting them. People like them as as foals. They like them as yearlings. They're liking them as racehorses. What do they look like? Uh, funnily enough, I went to see him at stud uh, with a view to my own mares, and he's a uh, he's what you'd expect. He's a bull, and of course, having won twice at Royal Ascot in one week, he needed to be hardy. And uh, they they come to the sales, and they have this strong physical but they have a uh, movement that you wouldn't expect from a horse that has that strong physical so they they seem to be very athletic look so far he's he's had your, your very early days he's had six runners but three of them have managed to win and when they manage to win at a track like Newmarket that's a real positive so so far the the uh, signals are, are quite positive but this is very early days um two darn hot uh Magna Grisha 
uh, Inns of Court, all of those horses just getting rolling now. And I suppose this is uh, the time of year where we really find out. All right, well, it's not just in Newmarket we're selling horses this week. The big South African national yearling sale takes place this Friday and Saturday with 200 lots each day. Alistair Gordon, friend of the show, is back to tell me a little bit more. Uh, Alistair, last year you were very encouraged by the increase in quality. I see a, a good smattering of very familiar names amongst the, amongst the stallions represented. What can we look forward to this time? Um, well, obviously, we've got the established stallions um, who are like the, the top of the tree uh, with Verson Getrix, Gimme the Green Light, uh, Rafif. They're among the top uh, top lot. But we've got some very exciting new sires who've just got their two-year-olds running and for the first time. Uh, amongst them is a deep impact horse called Danon Platina, who stands at Maritzfontein. He's done very, very well with his first crop. Uh, and Lancaster Bomber, a son of Wolf Run, who unfortunately is deceased, but he's got two crops, one running and one now being sold, and they've also done really well. Uh, another son of Wolf Run uh, called Fire Away um, has had a sensational start to his, his first crop. Um, and then a, a son of New Approach called New uh, Predator, also doing very well. So it's really exciting to have those uh, young horses doing so well in their first season. Now every catalogue needs a poster boy. You've got you've got one this year in the in the Cape Town Met winner Jet Dark, who's got to go down as a, one of the best bargains in in recent times. Tell me a little bit about that one's journey. Oh no, he's been a top top racehorse um, throughout his career. Um, he was a very mature horse when he was sold, so I think it might have been the reason why he he didn't make a lot of money. Um, but I mean, he's been a sensational horse. He's grown into one of the most beautiful horses, and he's now going to be later in the year, obviously, starting his stud career. And if there was a if there was a lot that is getting everybody excited, which would it be? Um, I must be honest, it's quite difficult to pinpoint uh, one horse because I do think there's a hell of a good draft here this year. Um, but just purely on pedigree and confirmation, I think one would uh, more than likely go for lot uh, 60, um, who is a son of Versa and Getrix out of a, 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 one of the best female lines in South Africa. Um, there are only two dams on the on the page, so that's the strength of the two dams. Um, he's a lovely individual. He scored very high when we did the inspections in January, and he's come through as well four months later. Uh, he's a striking horse. Um, but yeah, whether you know it'll take it depends on whether two guys really want him or you know more than two people. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's very close to one of the top lots on the sale. I always like to um, get a little bit of a, a litmus test on the on the state of South African racing. There seems to be significantly more grounds for for optimism now than there, there was a couple of years ago. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, there's been huge up, upbeat uh, down in the Western Cape with obviously people getting involved there. Uh, stakes there have increased dramatically um, and a lot of in, uh, like incentives and things like that, which obviously has bolstered that. Um, as far as uh, KwaZulu-Natal with their winter season just starting now, they've also um, upped their stakes there, which is obviously very, very positive. And they've had a good season up here in Joburg uh, over the sort of uh, autumn season. So, yeah, I think it is very positive. Um, obviously, we still all would love it if we could get the opportunity to get horses out of here a lot easier than we have been able to. Um, and we're still waiting for the report back from the EU audit. 
Great stuff. Alistair, thanks so much for your time. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Nick. Keep well there. That was Alistair Gordon there talking about the sales in South Africa Friday, Saturday this week. Now, if you weren't with me on Tuesday, you will have missed Ed Babington, well-known racehorse owner and owner of businesses in Newmarket, talking about his new venture, the relaunch of Racehorse Trader, which is the marketing platform for selling horses. Do take a look at it. It's a brand new website, www.racehorsetrader.com. It's an online marketing platform for selling horses or promoting the upcoming sale of a horse, wherever that might be, at a, at a sales house privately or wherever. You can sell a horse, a share in a horse, promote your racing club or syndicate. It's really a one-stop shop for all of the above, www.racehorsetrader.com. Or you can visit the Racehorse Trader a showroom, their, their new shop, literal shop window uh, on the avenue in Newmarket, www.racehorsetrader.com. All right, Jane is still with me. Jane, of course, it's not long till Punchestown, Tuesday till Saturday next week. Looking forward to joining you for a couple of days of that. What are the likely highlights going to be? Well, we've spoken about Galapin des Champs versus Envoi Allen, but what else can we look forward to? Yes, it was Wednesday's Gold Cup. Um, that is looking like it'll just be a, a Gallop in the Champ um, banquet, shall we say, because I don't see, I see Envoy in there taking him on, but it'd be a real surprise if he were to get beaten. A dream to share on the same day in the bumper. Uh, that'll probably be a deeper field, but he has, uh, he, he he put up such a good performance at Cheltenham, it's hard to look past him. Um, the Sayers hurdle on on Thursday, well, we had a very good stairs hurdle and entry, so I'll be interested to see what turns up there. But you know, I may 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 get his name in now. Uh, will Monkfish be there? I was very impressed with what we saw at him at Fairy House. He looked really well. He jumped really well, and he looked like he still had a really good appetite for the game. Uh, the champion hurdle on Friday. This kind of looks like it's a Willie Mullins, um, a Willie Mullins race to lose. If I'm honest, it doesn't look like a terribly deep race. You've got Epitant in there, but she's been busy this year. Um, Zana here went to Aintree. Um, Bally Adam is a handicapper. Uh, Colonel Mustard goes to Scotland, and everything else is is either Willie or Gordon. Um, so that looks like it could be. State man's race to lose as well. Uh, the Barberstown Castle novice chase is a little bit concerning for me. This is a two-mile novice on Thursday. There's seven left in at this stage. Uh, Banbridge went to Aintree. San Juan went to Aintree. John Bond went to Aintree. So if you're talking there's seven and three of them went to Aintree, I wonder will not long till May come. El Fabiolo is obviously the top dog in this division and Dysart Dynamo as well. Um, but Punchstown is one of those meetings where it can take its toll on horses that have had a busy season. You will get a couple of surprise results. And I was reading somewhere yesterday that um, how many horses have that managed to back up the Cheltenham Gold Cup and the Punchdown Gold Cup in, in one year. Not too many, but uh, I think Kicking King did it in 2005, War of Attrition 2006, and Sizing John 2017. So de Deschamps has got that stat to beat, but he looks like he's extra special. London Marathon this Sunday, and the weather forecast is uh, sufficiently sort of dull, I would imagine, to encourage most of the runners. I don't think it's going to be a, a really scorching one. Racing sending out a big team again, many of them running in aid of racing welfare, one of whom is Kate Grimwade, who was for so long an integral part of Godolphin operation and now is a, a crucial a cog in the Rogerian wheel and is with me now. Uh, how are you getting on, Kate? How's the training going? 
Hi, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, well, training's done, which I'm told is the hard part. So um, just the small challenge of running 26 miles around London on Sunday now. Now, you don't strike me as someone for whom this would be, I'm not saying it's not a challenge, but you strike me as someone who'd have been kind of pretty fit, active, athletic. Is this something that you're you're pretty familiar with or not, or is it new to you? No, not at all. Um, I'm not a runner. Um, definitely not a natural runner, um, but I do like a challenge. So I have done one marathon before. Um, in Sydney uh, when it was baking hot um, and very difficult to complete the 26 miles but I managed to get around so I'm hoping London will stay true to form and be cloudy and grey and a little cooler than Sydney was Um, so no not a natural runner but um, I've trained hard and hopefully I'll be able to slog my way around. Okay, so th- this is going to be a walk in the park for you you're you're, you're going to be sort of in the realms of uh, testing yourself against the clock aren't you? Yeah, I think I, I've told my, my followers to watch out on the elite leaderboard because I think I'll be somewhere around there. Um, I'll just be happy to get around, to be honest, Nick. Um, I'll feel feel like I've achieved something if I can if I can complete it without without having to stop to walk. Um, how's the fundraising going? Yeah, really well, thank you. People have been very generous. Um, raising money for Racing Welfare, which, as we all know, is a, a great charity that looks after people in our industry. We're very lucky to have it. Not many industries have their own charity. Um, so far, I've raised uh, £2,500. Um, so thank you to everyone who's sponsored me and to anyone who hasn't. Um, my uh, sponsorship page you can find on my Facebook profile or it's been posted kindly by Roger on the very unstable social medias. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can raise a bit of money as we go. Very unstable, gearing up for another terrific season. You know, strong both in terms of quality and quantity. We had David Egan on the show yesterday talking about Sakir and that, and that piece of work. And he said, God, what a speedy talent he is. And only time will tell whether he's going to stay. You're pretty close to the horse. What do you think? It's exciting. Um, we know he's got the speed. Um, yeah, it's a it, it, it's a split camp, as Roger said <laughs> in his post race interviews. We'll find out in the race. But Ben Morris, who rides him every day, has got the horse beautifully relaxed at home, and um, I think that's the best we can do to give him every chance of staying. Um, he's an absolute gentleman of a horse, and he's really grown up physically and mentally over the winter. He's a very very easy horse to deal with now so um hopefully he's nice and relaxed and and that'll give him every chance of staying i had one other question for you which was um could that quirky but talented horse st lawrence put his best foot forward at a big price in the avenant today i think he's a huge uh, chance at a big price um it's a tough field as we know um he's been gelded since you last saw him on the race course which has focused him no end um and i think he could be a, a, a really really fun each way chance of big money today that's what we needed to know uh for anyone who bets st lawrence today if they collect at least give some of that money to to kate's <laughs> fundraising for raising welfare kate thanks so much thanks for having me nick take care all right thanks to kate best of luck to her jane mangan is still with me with some advice for today yes i'm going to avoid the big meeting today go down to tipperary a nice country meeting for the 510 which is a 12 furlong maiden and i think new variant who's had some very smart placed form for jim bulger and luke mcateer he was third last time at leopardstown and i hope he can win today break his maiden in the 510 at tipperary good stuff jane thanks so much thank you very much for listening that was thursday april the 20th back again to do it tomorrow You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares. 
The Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.